Hey everybody, my name's Kyle. I serve as the lead pastor here at Trinity. This is week three of my sabbatical, which is really just a time of renewal and refreshing for myself and for my family. And I'm thankful so many of you have been praying for us while we're away. This week, if you would, pray for our students. They're gone on their summer camp uh, down at Pinecrest, which is down by Fredericktown. This is going to be a great opportunity for them to grow closer to each other and closer to God. Well, I'm excited for you to hear from Justin again as he continues our series on James. I think it's kind of funny that Kyle said he's uh, excited to hear from me like he was here last week, because he totally wasn't. Um, maybe you saw the video. Um, but if you guys were with us last week, we started going through the book of James, and the thing I love about James is he doesn't, um, he doesn't candy coat things. He's very blunt, he's very real, and I think we've, we're at a place in our lives in the church where that's what we need to hear, we need to hear, just like they did in the early church. This is what's going on, but this is what you need to do. This is how, this is how you need to deal with things, because... Um, because he was seeing these things were popping up in the early church, and this was a cyclical letter, so it was written that it would be passed around, so that all these people at these different churches would get to read this truth from him. Um, and so last week we talked about how in the midst of everything that's going on, James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of, of all kinds, all these temptations that come your way. And we talked about how difficult that can be, um, but we also talked about why we can do that. And it's because when... When we accept Christ, when we, when we um, receive the Holy Spirit, we know that the fruits of the Holy Spirit is where we get our joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all these things. And so as we dig in to the Holy Spirit, as we allow the Holy Spirit to refine us in the midst of those times, that's how when trials continue to come our way, we can hit them head on with joy because it's God's joy in us that is doing that. It's nothing that we can do. It's God working in us. Uh, we also talked how he's always trying to use those situations that we find ourselves in to help us grow, to refine us, and help us to become more like him. Um, and so that's going to be a theme that carries on through different parts of James. Um, and so if you remember last week, um, I said if you, were, if you remember nothing else, this is what I want you to remember, this phrase. God is large and God is in charge. No matter what comes our way, we can always believe that he is those two things. He's large and he's in charge. Excuse me. And he's in charge. Um, and so today, if I want you to remember any phrase, um, just remember this, just do it. Just do it. And the reason we're going to go through that is because James is going to talk to us today about hearing the word, the difference between just listening to God's word and, and actually applying it to our lives and doing it. Um, the crazy thing that when I think about James and the writer, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but the crazy thing to me is this guy actually grew up with Jesus. There's a lot of evidence that points to him being the, the younger brother of Jesus. And so he got to see him when he was young, when he was immature, as he was growing, becoming, you know, a man. Um, and so he, when he writes this, he doesn't really talk about Jesus much. He doesn't specifically call him and say, the Lord said this, the Lord said this. Um, but he, he, he speaks very much like him. And so we get a unique idea of what it would be like someone that knew Jesus inside and out. And I think he probably knew Jesus better than most anybody else that wrote in the New Testament because he saw him before his ministry. Um, and honestly, he didn't even believe Jesus was who he said he was. And so this man comes from a life of completely disagreeing with everything Jesus claimed about himself to realizing that he was completely wrong and that and he became a leader in the church and totally reorganized his life around the teachings of Jesus, his older brother. And so we'll jump right into... Um, it's the second half of the first chapter of James, starting in verse 19. And 
he he starts it with this, my dear brothers and sisters. And I think a lot of times when you see a writer in the Bible start with a phrase like that, they're kind of warming you up for something. They're like, hey, guys, just know that I love you before I say this next part. And so he goes like this, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Man, I mean... I mean, does anybody, does anybody have that down yet? I mean, I don't. I, I think a lot of times about, you know, I'm really starting to learn how to listen, and then um, I open my mouth, and then I realize I'm nowhere near where I need to be. This is the kind of, of thing where God is saying, we tend to put ourselves first. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's with our relationship with God or our relationship with others. Uh, we tend to always want to be heard before we hear somebody else. And I think the wisest thing I've ever heard on the topic of, of any kind of relationship is seek to understand before you seek to be understood. See, our world kind of flips that upside down completely. And what we do is we tend to uh, read something, we react, we, either we get offended, we get angry, and then we show our opinion. And then at that point, we're so you know fired up, we don't want to hear anybody else's opinion. I mean, have you ever looked at... Facebook, if you ever looked at any social media, that's what we see over and over and over, is this idea that my opinion is the most important, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. And what that does, I believe it's, it stirs something inside of us that we continue to believe that we're more important than others. And so what James is saying to the early church is, listen first, listen to these words, listen to God, and then speak out of that. See, we tend to speak and then listen to people's responses to us. And if you think about this time period, what these people were going through right now, um, they, they, were, they were the early church, and they were starting to be persecuted. I mean, they must have had a lot of anger, a lot, a lot of anger. These people were coming, and they would, they would do all these horrible things to the Christians because they didn't understand them. They didn't know what was going on. Um, and so these people must have harbored a lot of anger in their hearts. I mean, if I, if I was at a place where I felt like any day someone could walk in and kill me for my faith, I, I might have anger towards them. I might deal with that. And so in, I think it's in this instance that we see James coming in and really talking to an audience that had been hanging on to a lot of stuff and saying, listen, remember what Jesus was about. He wasn't about this. It's not God's will that you hold on to this anger. And I think a lot of us are find ourselves in that same place. I know, I know that with a group this size, there are people here who have been hanging on to something that has happened to them or been done to them for a long time. And that is not God's will for our lives. It's not God's will that we hang on to this stuff and let it consume us. And so can we today, can we just commit to being quick to listen, that whatever God wants to speak to us, um, whether it's something I say or something God just speaks to you directly, can we just commit to being quick to listen to that and allow God to speak to us? Um, because I, I believe that when, when God's word is preached or when we come and we read God's word, there's two options that we can have in our lives. One, um, we either ignore it and we tend to kind of harden our hearts toward it. Or we choose to, to lean in and to allow God to speak and to allow it to be applied to our lives. And that's the whole thing that James is about. He's about, this is, this is real stuff. So are we going to lean in? Are we going to listen? Are we going to absorb? Are we going to allow God in the midst of these tough times, in the midst of these words, to really um, begin to refine us into the kind of person he wants? Or are we going to just, just ignore it as something that doesn't apply to us? I think it's really, really easy to ignore the hard stuff. So let's keep digging in. Um, you know, it talks about um, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, people that are, if we find ourselves to be generally angry, I think it's really tough to profess being a Christian 
Um, because when people see that we're angry, they don't understand. It just raises this doubt. It raises confusion. Like, why? You know, you're telling me that Jesus loves you and that everything's okay because he loves you. And yet we hold on to this stuff that, that angers us, that makes us um, unable to spread his love. And so I think today we need to make a distinction between human anger and godly anger. Because there are certain things that make God, makes God angry. And I think we tend um, sometimes to think that anger is um, something that we can use um, because we've seen Jesus get angry before. You know, he goes in the temple, and we'll talk about it in a second, he flips over all the tables, and we're saying, well, anger is not necessarily bad. But anger, when it's used for our agenda, I think is. And so we have this, this type of human anger, and I think of the story, um, it's in Genesis 4, it talks about Cain and Abel. Um, this is probably um, the first story that I ever learned about humans really being jerks to each other um, in Sunday school or when I was young. But so Adam and Eve, um, you know, they sin, they're cast out of the garden, and then they have some children. And so Cain and Abel come, um, and, and we don't really get a lot of the story, but it tells us the story of um, how they both come before God with offerings. And so, um, you know, Cain comes and Abel comes, they give their offerings, and God looks at Cain, and he, he's like, that wasn't good enough. And we don't really know why, but we can assume, um, because God gives him another shot, that Cain was holding something back. Because when, when God asks us to give something, he wants us to give it with a good heart, with a heart that is, is um, loving doing it, a, a heart that is sacrificial, a heart that is realizing what we're doing is we're giving to the God who created us. And so for whatever reason, God looked at Cain and he said, that's not good enough. I need more from you. I expect more from you. But in a loving way, he says, well, you know what to do. So just do it and come back. And instead of responding to God's grace and, um, and God's second chance in this, in this instance, Cain turns his anger towards his brother because his brother got God's favor because his brother did it right. And I think in this instance, we can see uh, Cain's, Cain's ego gets a little bruised. You know, he's probably thinking, well, well, my brother's better than me. That's not okay. I need to do something about this. And I, I, we handle stuff that way too. Our anger tends to stem out of our bruised egos. And so we, a lot of us know the story. Cain ends up uh, taking his brother out into a field and murders him because he couldn't get over his own stuff. And so we see Cain taking his anger, and we, he's taking it out on somebody else. He's not taking it out on, on the situation, what has caused him to feel this way. He's totally taking it out on somebody else. Ends up killing somebody else. Now, I don't think, and I think you'll agree with me, that that kind of anger, and you're telling me, Justin, my anger is not going to cause me to kill somebody. I totally understand. But I believe that that type of anger that we take, it, we tend to take it out on others. The ones we love, the ones we care about, the ones that are around us, they tend to get the blunt, the blunt of our bruised egos. Now, I think of the story of, of Jesus. He is, um, he walks towards the, the temple one day and he finds that there's just a crazy market going on. And what he finds is not just that they're, they're selling things, but what they're doing is they're using um, the temple as an, a way to make profit, as a way to cheat others. And I think if we look back at the, at the, the reason why all these people were here, it kind of gives us a better idea of why Jesus got mad. Um, so back in, the, back in the day before Jesus came, um, there was a very, um, there was a sacrificial system. And so these people would come from all over um, and they would come and they would sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of their sins. Um, now we believe that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and that's why we don't kill animals anymore. Um, but that, back in that day, that's what they would do. They would come to the temple and they would say, I have sinned, I want to make peace with God, I want to make this right. 
And so they would sacrifice animals. Now, these travelers would come from all over, all these different places, and they would come and meet in this central place, and that's where they would find the forgiveness for their sins. And so what is infuriating Jesus is that these people, these religious people, these people that are supposed to be pointing others towards him, are becoming a hindrance. Because as these people are trying to purchase these animals for the sacrifice, they're being charged way too much money. They're being used. And I can just see God saying, man, that is not what the church is about. It is not what we are supposed to be about. We are supposed to be allowing other people to meet God face to face. And here are my people that are in my temple, and they're becoming a hindrance to that. They're pushing people away, or they're ostracizing them. And so Jesus comes in, and he flips tables. He kicks them out. And what we see is, is it, it's not so much that he's taking it out on those people, but he's taking it out on a system or, or something that had come into um, the way of people getting to know him. And so I think the things that Jesus calls us to be angry about um, and things that should upset us are the things that are not of him, the things that are of evil or the things that are hurting people or keeping them from understanding the love of God. I think when we begin to begin to look at anger that way, I think uh, a lot of times we find that our opinions aren't as important as we thought they were. I know in my life, if I, <laughs> if I look at something and I say, man, I'm really fired up about this, most of the time it's because of my ego. It's not because God would want me to be fired up about this. And I have seen countless things, and we can make fun of some of them now, maybe some of them we can't, but like uh, I know Starbucks was a big deal. And for some reason, we assumed that God was angry about it. I know that there were some Christians that are upset about that. But here's the deal, you know, we, we live in the midst of a world that is broken. And we know we're broken people. We say that a lot at this church. But we live in the midst of a place that is completely broken, in the midst of a world that is broken. And we can tend to be more upset about the things that make our life a little bit more difficult than the people that are literally living without Christ and have never met him. The people or the children that don't have food. Not just in other countries, in our neighborhoods, children who don't have homes. That's the kind of stuff that should upset us. And that's the kind of thing I think James was starting to try to point, point towards. So he says this, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And this is kind of goes back to what we were talking about, where the Holy Spirit, as we allow the Holy Spirit to enter our lives, it kind of builds deep roots in us. And so in the midst of all these, all these times where it can be easy to want to speak our mind or it can be easy to um, be full of anger over our own egos or whatever, um, the fruit of the Spirit is also peace. It's also love. It's also patience. It's also kindness. All these things, they tie together, don't they? When we allow God to start to refine our lives and dig his, his roots deep down in us, those all start to come out. And so I, I wonder what it would look like if just for the next week, if we decided to make a commitment to each other, to our church family, that we're going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I wonder what would happen in our marriages. I wonder what would happen with our kids. I wonder what would happen in every single relationship we have if we decided to just commit, I'm going to shut up. What if we let somebody be wrong? That's tough for us, isn't it? I know you're wrong, and I'm going to tell you, well, what if I just let you be wrong? And I'm not saying this is something that we should do as a high and mighty thing, but I really wonder what would happen to our relationships if we started to listen first and speak second. I bet a lot of fights would not happen. I know in my life, I tend to open my mouth way too much. 
See, God is saying to us today that all these things that come up um, that, that make our life more difficult, there's a better way. And that starts with the fruit of the Spirit being evident in our lives. Moving on, it says this, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, or just do it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. See, I love this idea of, of talking about looking in a mirror. You know, when, when we become Christians, we are um, assuming a new identity. We are. We're saying, I no longer want to be about myself. I want to be about the things God is about, and I want God um, to completely change me, to create a new, a new um, creation in me. And so when, when we're talking about looking in a mirror, um, I, I imagine going, and one day you're saying, okay, you know, I've got this thing. I want to follow you, God. I want to be that you know, exactly who you want me to be. And we look in a mirror and we see something different than what we've seen before, right? We see uh, a new creation, something that God is working in. Um, it's, we're no longer focused on just what we can do, but we're focused on what God has done in our lives. Now, when we, when we look into that mirror, we see that, we hear the word and then we walk away. I think the next time we come to that mirror, we, don't, we see what we used to be. And I know Kyle spoke probably about five or six weeks ago and he said this, you know, it is so easy to go back to the person I used to be. He was just talking about softball and being competitive, but it's so true in, our, in every single one of our lives that the things that God has saved us from, God gives us very clear instructions of how we can allow the Spirit to work in our lives. And if we, if we don't follow, if we don't listen, if we don't obey, then we see ourselves turning back into the people we used to be. And so God has given us everything and I, I think what James would say today is um, obviously just do it, but I think he would be even more blunt than that. I think he would say, you have heard these, these words being proclaimed. You have heard from my brother, the Savior of the world, what he wants you to do and how he has saved you and how he is for you and how he loves you. And I think James would say to us, um, I know he's saying to me in the scripture, it's, it's, not, it's not enough to come on Sundays. It's not enough to listen. And I speak this to the people in this in here who would proclaim themselves to be Christians, because I know probably not everybody does. And that's okay. We want to be a place where we can all meet together and we can belong before we believe. And figure out who this Jesus is. But if you claim to be a Christian, I think James is saying to us today that it's not enough just to sit in a pew. It's not enough just to listen. He would say the only way that your faith is solidified and that you grow is if you do what you hear. You live out the word of God in your lives. I think the more that you, you take what God has given us and you, and you live it out too, it becomes more solidified. You know, we talk about all the time, I don't know if you've heard this, every time it comes around January 1st, everybody's talking about how they're going to make their New Year's resolution stick. Right? Everybody has a different number. I don't know what the real number is. They'll say, well, if you do it 30 days in a row, you know, then it's a habit. Or if you do it 27 times in a row, it's a habit. Well, I think it's the same thing with the things that God asks us to do. We know that he, every time that he asks us to step out in faith, he's going to equip us to do that, that he's going to give us the strength to get through it. But also, every time that we, we, um, we allow God to, to help us take that next step, it solidifies his identity in us. Like I said, every time that we come in contact with the word, we can ignore and be hardened. 
or we can allow God to speak and change our lives. And so the more we come to that mirror, the more we say, God, I want to be used by you, or God, teach me this, or God, do this, I think the more that we come to that mirror, the more we will begin to see the identity of Christ in us. Because ultimately, I've said it earlier today, I'll say it a million times, I'm a broken person. If I look in that mirror and I don't see Christ, I don't know what I see. Because he has so changed my heart and so changed my life because of his forgiveness, because of the ways he has taught me. And it is so easy in a moment to allow ourselves, if we are not vigilant or if we are not continually allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to revert back to that person that I used to be. So moving on, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep, keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of tough, isn't it? You know, when someone tells you, you know, if you don't do this, then you're deceiving yourself. But maybe we need to hear that. You know, as Christians, we are called to be people of, of integrity, but also um, fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, patience, kindness. And a lot of times we aren't those things. I've met tons and tons of people who have told me that they don't go to church anymore. And, and I said, oh, well, why don't you go to church? You used to go to church before. And they said, because I... You know, the only thing they could say is, I didn't, I didn't see anything sticking. They said to me, I don't understand what the point is of going if it doesn't change you. And I, I kind of agree with them, you know? It kind of sucked to hear because I've grown up in the church. I was a PK. I went to school to be a pastor. All of these things, it kind of hurts for me to see people see the church like that. But maybe we need to hear that. Because if, if we are here, if we want the world to know who Jesus is, then it has to change us first. And so in the last, in the last verse of, of this chapter, it kind of gives us a two-pronged approach. Um, and I don't think we can sum up the entirety of Christianity in these two verses. I don't think that's what James is trying to do. I think he's trying to follow up um, on what he said before. And so he kind of gives us a two-pronged approach of we need to be focused in and really in ourselves and allowing God to transform us, but we also can't give up on the community around us. And that's one of the things I've loved about Trinity, and that's one of the things that drew my wife and I here, was just seeing the involvement in the community that you guys are already doing, and we wanted to be a part of that, because I wholeheartedly believe that um, the church has to be in the community. Because we want to be people who are not just allowing God to transform us, but to allowing to reach out into the community around us. And that's why I came here. That's why I believe that um, I believe this is where I'm, I'm supposed to be, because of that belief that that is so important to this community. So I'd encourage you guys, um, you know, and I hope that if something came up this week in your lives, you were able to remember God is large and God is in charge. I hope and I, I pray that you would remember that in the times that you're going through. I know this week I've had to remember that. And the reality is that no matter, uh, no matter how many times we hear this stuff, it's not going to get any easier to start. I don't believe it will. And I believe that it, it starts with first listening to what God is, is saying to us and then committing to doing it. And so today, just do it. Just take a step of faith. And you don't have to do it alone. You know, we don't meet together because we're all individuals trying to go on our own journey. We meet together 
because we come together trying to figure out who Jesus is. And we want to figure out how that works in our life. And so I'd encourage you today, no matter what you get from today, no matter what God is speaking to you today, he's going to empower you to do it. He's going to give you the ability to follow through on whatever he's speaking to you. So just do it. I'll commit that. Just do it. God is speaking to me today. I'll commit that with you. <clears throat> so we'll continue the next couple weeks um, in the book of James. And if we learn nothing else from, from James, I think we should learn this, that God's worth our time. <laughs> From this man who never believed in who Jesus was, and then after Jesus died, he's like, wow, he actually was the real deal. Jesus is worth our time, and these words that James is speaking are very blunt because I think he wants us to realize that, that Jesus is worth our time. He's worth us giving our lives to him, and I believe that with all my heart. So would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you for this time just to come together. We thank you for um, your word um, through a man who experienced you face-to-face, God. Lord, as we go through this week, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. You would shut our mouths if they need to be shut, God, that you would continue to dig your your roots deep in us, God, that the fruit of the Spirit would just be um, start to develop in our lives, God. We know that we can do nothing without you and that this is all mute if we're not allowing you to work in our lives, God. And so I pray that you would you would bring things our way that would challenge us, but you would also encourage us through those, that you would let us know that you are there in the midst of those situations, God. So in everything, uh, we give you the praise and the honor, God. We love you. In your name. Amen.